Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Uh, if you're new, I'm Pastor Eugene. I'm one of the pastors here. Just thankful that you joined us on Sunday morning to worship. And uh, we are in some crazy times right now, uh, not only the pandemic, uh, but the war that started out in Ukraine. And uh, I don't know about you, but my heart is, is a little heavy uh, this week, and uh, for many reasons. Um, though the video is about uh, Burma and, and, and Thailand, uh, that happens all around the world. And, um, and uh, it's just amazing to see uh, a person who's in, in a situation like that, whose faith is still steadfast. Uh, it, it, as, as I compare my, my faith to that, um, and I just hear about people like Missionary Kim, who, um, who is choosing to stay in, in the Ukraine so that people will know Jesus so that people would know that God is for them, God is with them, God will not leave them or forsake them, that God loves them. And I put myself in, in that situation, and I'm like, could I do that? Could I do the same? And uh, uh, ashamedly, I, I, I don't know, I, just I'll be honest before you, uh, maybe I shouldn't be so honest before you, but I don't know if I could do that, honestly. I'm just, I'm just I don't know if I could do that. Um, I think... Most people would encourage us, you need to come home for your safety. But um, So please, let's, let's keep uh, not only him, but all, the, all the, the missionaries, all the church leaders, all the pastors, all the, not only that, but those believers uh, who um, are the hands and feet in, in, a, in a nation that is uh, strife with, with chaos and um, just so much destruction and pain and trauma. Um, and so let's keep them in prayer. And I can't time this any differently. I mean, we're just going... Through the Sermon on the Mount, if you uh, haven't been with us, we're going through um, the best sermon ever. Not, not my sermon, but Jesus' best sermon ever, uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. And he calls us blessed. Um, if, if we were to look like uh, some of these things and if we were to do some of these things. And so uh, if you do have your Bibles, let's open to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, I've been enjoying this series. I hope you've been enjoying this series. And uh, if you've missed any of the series, uh, I want to encourage you to... Uh, go to our podcast, go to our, our YouTube page, uh, especially the Church Center app has everything there. So um, easy uh, for you to, to access. And so we're in Matthew chapter 5, and I want to read um, through uh, the Beatitudes again. Uh, you've heard it over and over again, but I want you to see how it works together. It is a package. It is not separate things. Uh, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And today, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, I don't know, yeah, blessed are you when people insult you, Persecute you. Somebody say persecute. Persecute. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice. And be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So as we've gone through all of these Beatitudes up to this point, uh, as I look at and reflect on them, you know, uh, Beatitudes number one through seven, they, they seem so romantic. It's like, wow. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Yes, Lord. Blessed are those who mourn. Yes, Lord. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. Yes. You know, it's like, it's such a, a romantic, uh, tragic and romantic sort of beatitudes. And then now we come to uh, beatitude number eight. 
And uh, this is not this. This is something that I want to avoid. I, I want to avoid persecution. I, I, I don't want to be persecuted for anything. You know, I don't want to be persecuted for my fashion sense, though that happens all the time. You know, I don't want to be persecuted for who I am or the way that I live. Uh, many of you know, I grew up in a very small town uh, in Wisconsin, uh, and at the time, I think there was about ten thousand people in that in, in my city. And uh, being the only Asian person in, in a white community, um, I, I experienced moderate, I wouldn't say severe or extreme, but I experienced moderate persecution for being different. And uh, I was made fun at times, uh, there's gossip behind my back, I was excluded from certain things, ridiculed for, for my looks. And I know many of us here in this room have experienced that. Yeah. And uh, we, all, we all wanna be liked, right? we all wanna be accepted. And to be ridiculed as a child is, is quite heartbreaking of an experience. Uh, but what I've realized is that the pain doesn't lessen the older you get. That as you are, become an adult, that, that, that ridicule and that persecution and that pain doesn't uh, become less. Uh, for our case as adults, persecution comes in the form of uh, harassment and unfair accusations. And all of these things may destroy our uh, perception of security. And of all the injuries that, that a human uh, being can experience, persecution is one of those things that, that is very injuring to our heart. And so most instances, we are persecuted because we do something wrong, right? Maybe your breath stinks. Come on, somebody, you know, you got to be persecuted for that. You got to be called out on that. Uh, or maybe you're singing out of tune or like, like me, your fashion sense is outdated. Uh, but there'll be times where you're going to be persecuted for doing the right thing. You're going to be doing what is right in the eyes of God. You're going to be doing what's right, and you will be persecuted for that. Let me tell you what persecution is not. Persecution is not being unfollowed on Instagram for posting too many Bible verses. You know what I'm saying? That's not persecution. Persecution is not being made fun of because you're wearing a Christian t-shirt. right? Persecution is not uh, uh, Starbucks discontinuing the red Christmas cup. You know, That's, that's not persecution. But persecution is, is when you do what is right before God and people slander you and people mock you and people make fun of you. Persecution is also not someone who is confronting you of your sin. A lot of times, you know, uh, we, we uh, behave wrongly or we sin against somebody and, and they confront us and say, oh man, I'm being persecuted for, for following Christ. Uh, I forget who it was, but somebody said, that if we behave improperly and as a result receive the wrath of non-believers, this is not persecution. This is punishment for your foolishness. Come on, somebody. Yeah. You misbehaved and you deserve it. The, the message of Christ is offensive, but the messenger should not be offensive. The message of Jesus offends our flesh. It offends the sin in our lives. It offends the wicked and the evil in this world. It is offensive, but we as people ought not to be offensive. I mean, I, I worked under a pastor that took pride in offending people. Uh, he was spiritually abusive. He would insult people. He would say shocking things. Uh, he would punch and elbow people and pick up, pick up basketball games, leaving them bloodied. He would argue and yell and pick fights with people. And then he would retaliate against people who confronted him of his sins. And this is a pastor I'm talking about, right? And he thought, I think that he thought that because the gospel was offensive, that, that he could offend others with his behavior and character. 
And then when there's a protest against him, he thought it was spiritual warfare. Oh, man, it's spiritual warfare. The enemy's coming to get me, and, and uh, I'm being persecuted for, for my faith. No, it's a result of your stupidity. You're not being persecuted. You're being clueless, insensitive, and lacking self-awareness. I don't know about you, but when, when we think of persecution, I generally think of the examples in the Bible where Paul it gets thrown into jails, or, or I, I think of the martyrs who, who die for their faith, or I think of maybe Jesus going to the cross. But it's, under, it's important to understand that the word persecute, though it involves, of course, torture and murder, it's not limited to the most extreme versions of, of persecution. This Greek word, blessed are the persecuted, persecution, this Greek word, means to pursue. Persecuted means to pursue, to chase after someone or something. And in this context, it means someone who is hunting and mistreating people or hassling people. While, while persecution can be torture, it could also mean uh, discriminating against someone or, or refusing to tolerate them or teasing them. In the Greek word, this, this word was used in the legal profession as a, as a technical term which meant to accuse someone. And so to be persecuted means to accuse them. And so this English word means similarly to treat someone in an unfair and cruel way. But I'm here to tell you that persecution is a reality for those who follow Christ. Amen. That persecution is a reality for those who follow Christ. For throughout centuries of history, persecution has been the expectation, not the exception. That as a Christian, it is the expectation that you will be slandered, that you will experience persecution. It is not the exception. Come on now. And if in your life, persecution is the exception, then maybe something is not right. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, uh, he says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Mm. And so as, I, as we go through this first seven Beatitudes, it, it kind of illustrates this journey, uh, a spiritual journey from the time a person realizes that, that he's lost, that he's lost before God. And it, it shows us, it gives us this journey to developing the, the characteristics of Christ-likeness. When we start from the beginning, poor in spirit, poverty of spirit, this is when we're lost. And as we continue through the seven Beatitudes, now to the eighth one, here we see the picture of a characterization of someone who's maturing in Christ. Being merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers are all signs of spiritual maturity and development of Christ-like faith. And so what follows now in verse 10 is the, the end result of being a follower of Jesus. In other words, the one who is an apprentice of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, will demonstrate Christ-likeness and be persecuted because a Christian behaves in a certain type of way that elicits a certain type of response. And that response is persecution. Why? Because your righteousness exposes other people's unrighteousness. That your light exposes their darkness. If you've ever been in an argument with a spouse, I, I, I assume none of you have ever done that. You know, Never. Never. Um, but as you confront your spouse about something they've done, it exposes them. And most people, unless they're genuinely like Jesus, uh, become defensive and say, what are you talking about? Well, you do this. And the accusations go back and forth. Well, what happens is as we live in righteousness, as we act in righteousness, it, we receive that persecution because we are exposing people's unrighteousness. 
Now, don't use that against your spouse uh, after church, like, hey, man, you know, just exposing your unrighteousness and what's called self-righteousness, by the way. But we have to see that people are pure persecuting Christians today for the same reasons they persecuted Christ back then. It's because followers of Christ are different than the ways of the world. The difference is a fundamental difference. Christians are not like everybody else with a slight difference. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. We're not like everybody else with a slight. We are essentially different. We have a completely different nature than an unbeliever. Because at the time of salvation, we are now a new creation in Jesus Christ. Amen. And we begin to live our life totally differently, slowly progressing towards being like Christ. We may not be there from the start, but we move towards Christ-likeness. And followers of Jesus begin to live and demonstrate a life of righteousness where we don't compromise with the world and its sinful behaviors. And it is for this reason you will be persecuted. The Good News translation of, of, of verse 10 says this, happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. Disciples of Jesus can count on persecution because persecution serves as a sign of authenticity of our relationship with Jesus. It shows that we are authentically in relationship with Jesus Christ, that we are sons and daughters of Jesus, that we look different, we are different. Amen. The Beatitude says that if you're mistreated because you did the right thing, then you ought to be congratulated. Your mistreatment is the evidence of your citizenship into the kingdom of heaven. John in chapter 15, uh, verse 18 to 21 says this, that if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all of these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus is saying, you will be persecuted if you follow me. Revelation 2.10 says this, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. But what? Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. As believers, we know that, that we are not of this world, that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, that for those missionaries in Ukraine, if they were to perish, that they will inherit a victor's crown, that they will be in eternity in paradise. And they, as they are living out the gospel and living out righteousness, they will expose the darkness and maybe the world would see God's power and his sovereignty over the world. I want you to imagine um, a fictional uh, story of, uh, of the homecoming of the Good Samaritan. You know the Good Samaritan story? A Samaritan sees a Jew who's uh, been beaten up and robbed and left in the ditch, really uh, hurt and injured. And I want you to imagine this fictional kind of scenario of, a, of the homecoming of the Samaritan uh, to, to his home. So he's just dropped off the injured man at the inn, if you know the story. And uh, so he comes into to the home and... Uh, it, you know, he's just like feeling great, good about himself. And he comes into the home and his wife says, where have you been? 
You said you were going to go to our, our daughter's recitals. You missed the last four recitals. You said you were going to come to this one. Where have you been? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, dear. I had to help a, a Jewish man who had been robbed and left half dead um, on, on this like area in, in, on the Jericho Road. And so I, I got him to an inn, and, and it, it just took longer than I thought. I'm just so sorry. And her response was, you, you what? You mean to say I was worried out of my mind on account of a Jewish man? Why did you do that as you know that they were enemies? What were you thinking? Do you think he would have helped you? Why did you do that? He wouldn't have helped you. Like, and then and, and she goes, I can't believe you care more about this enemy than our own family. But, but honey, he was, he's really in a bad condition. If I had not helped him, he, he would have died. All right, so then how much did this cost you? Well, you know, everything was booked and the only place I could find was at about $300 a night. Well, how long is he, is he going to be in there? I don't know. Just maybe for a few nights. So you're telling me you spent almost $1,000 on an enemy, a stranger that you do not know. Yet when we go on vacation, you are not willing to do that for us. You're, you know how these Jews treat us. They treat us worse than lepers. Once again, this is a fictional account. And here is a person who did what was right, but instead of receiving praise, he received persecution. And there's going to be times where you feel like, man, I should receive praise for what I'm doing, but instead you receive criticism. But remember, it's only if you do what is right before the eyes of God, not right to justify your sin. Come on, somebody. Amen. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've argued it enough in my life with, with my spouse where a lot of times I feel like I, I am justified for my sin. But for those of you who are doing what is right before God, standing firm and not cheating at work or not uh, uh, bending the rules at work, take heart, Jesus sees you. And he says to you, uh, take heart. Blessed are you who are persecuted. Because as a Christian, instead of honor, you may get harassment. Instead of applause, you may get abuse. Instead of support, you may get slander. And instead of dignity, you may get death threats. But blessed are those who are persecuted. Can a brother get an amen? Amen. Come on, yeah. And so this declaration that Jesus makes is the exclamation of this inner joy and peace that comes with being right with God. I mean, happiness might be part of it, yes, but, but the happiness that transcends the world that is happening around us. It's a happiness that comes within the soul because we know that we are favored by God, that God's hand is upon us, that he is with us, that he will not forsake us. When we stand in righteousness, and that's why we can, that's why Jesus can say rejoice when you face persecution because he's declaring you blessed as a pledge, divine reward for this inner spiritual character of righteousness that our spiritual attitude and the state of people before God is what he cares about. He cares about your heart. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus says, blessed are they, he's not only describing uh, this inner sense of joy and peace because they're right uh, before God, but he's describing their inner character and pledging of divine reward for it. First Peter 4, 14, 16 says, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Or here in the NIV, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. You might think that, you know, God uh, only blesses spiritual giants. Um, growing up in church as a, as a young Christian, I always thought that 
God is not going to bless me. I'm such a sinful person. I'm so bad. I make so many mistakes that God only blesses super spiritual giants. But remember, he starts with blessing those who are poor in spirit. Come on, somebody. He starts with blessing those who are poor in spirit. He meets us in our patheticness. He meets us in our failures. He blesses those who are on the B team. He blesses those who are on the junior varsity team. Come on, somebody. That's me right here. Got cut from my varsity team and just still, okay, I'm not bitter about it anymore. I can set free by Jesus. Come on. Um, but, but God blesses those who are on the junior varsity team and those who keep stumbling that in our failure, in our unworthiness, God says this, I am still with you. I am with you. And that's what the Beatitudes are all about. Blessed are the poor. Because you have Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn. Because you have Jesus. Blessed are the meek. Because you have Jesus. Blessed are the hungry and thirsty. Because you have Jesus. Jesus can say blessed are the persecuted. Because he's experienced it himself. He's experienced persecution himself. The world rejected Jesus. The world persecuted and falsely accused Jesus for his righteousness. There was fake news about Jesus. Come on, somebody. There was disinformation about Jesus. Even Pontius Pilate was like, you know, I can't find anything to convict this innocent man. I wash my hands from, from him. The world nailed Jesus to the cross and even executed him. And Jesus is the ultimate example of being persecuted for righteousness' sake. And if we're living out the kingdom of God, we will be rejected and we will be persecuted. I want to tell you a story uh, that I heard from a pastor named Benny Ho, and he talks about how uh, he met this underground pastor in China called Pastor Chan. And uh, Pastor Chan was uh, captured and he was tortured uh, and sent to uh, prison camps because he refused to deny Christ. And so in that prison camp, they sent him to do one of the worst jobs that you could do. And it was to wash and empty the collection of human wastes. I want you to just think of, think of the underground part of a porta potty. He had to, to clean that where all the, the poo and the urine uh, is contained. And he had to stand in it where, where all of the, the wastes were up to his knees. And he had to empty that and he had to wash it. In fact, the smell was so bad that the soldiers would, wouldn't even near, go near him as he did his job. So what ended up happening is that Pastor Chan found himself all alone in the middle of this cesspool every single morning. And uh, I don't know about you if you had a, a physical reaction, but uh, I'm sure most of us would be disgusted uh, at the, the thought of it, the smell of it, uh, at, at the suffering that he had to go through each and every morning. Uh, and maybe you have compassion and, and, and pity his circumstance. But you know what he did? His attitude was, finally I get a chance to be alone. And I get to, to raise my hands to Jesus and praise him. In the middle of the cesspool, he had the opportunity to pray and, and worship God and sing at the top of his lungs that no one could hear him and bother him. And he said, what a blessing that I have every single day to lift my hands and freely worship my Jesus. And here we are in a very nice uh, 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 facility, not in a cesspool, and we struggle to freely worship him because of whatever reservations or insecurities we have. But here's a man who's been persecuted in the cesspool 
instead of being upset every single day, he would look forward to being in that porta potty. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And when he got there, the first thing he did was lift his hands to heaven, worship God in the midst of all the feces and all of the human excrements. And he said that he always starts every single morning with this old hymn that says, I come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the flowers. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And he would continue to worship God. And to me, that's what it looks like to rejoice in the midst of persecution. And this is like taking it to the whole next level. If I could invite the worship team to, to come back up. Uh, Ryan Visconti uh, talks about how we need to not think of ourselves as victims of persecution, but instead that we are choosing to stand with Jesus and for Jesus. Amen. That as we're being persecuted for our faith, or persecuted for whatever reasons, as we do what is right before God, that we ought not to look at ourselves as victims of persecution. And he gives us example of firefighters, that firefighters don't see themselves as victims of the fire. That in fact, they go through the fire, but their purpose is to rescue those who are in the fire. They don't consider themselves as victims to the fire. They see themselves as rescuers of people. They know that their job requires for them to go through some fires. Anybody tracking me? That their job requires them to go through some fire, yet they don't consider themselves victims of this fire. And for, for us as believers, in order to reach people far from God, you may have to go through some fire. You may have to go through some fire. You're going to have to accept in your spirit that you need to enter into some fires, into some persecution. That I'm going to run into the fire, into the persecution, if that means that I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus with somebody. That when they receive Jesus, you will be blessed. Because blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who go into the fire for his name's sake. That when you decide that I'm okay with being persecuted for my faith in Jesus, when you decide that I'm okay and I want to have an undivided heart and I want to follow God, and, and you'll receive a peace that doesn't waver between two opinions because you are trusting in the one that is fully trustworthy, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, there is a great reward waiting for you. That's why in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. First Peter 4 says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Come on, somebody. For the spirit and the glory of God rests on you. And so will persecution prevent us from living out the values of the kingdom of God? For the apprentices of Jesus, the answer is no. That persecution will not stop us from living out the kingdom of God. See, because this world doesn't persecute compromising Christians, it persecutes only those who are faithful to Jesus. So I want to declare over you, blessed are those who are persecuted. Because of righteousness, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward 
in heaven. And you can receive that this morning. Somebody say amen. Yeah.